0: morning, Abundant Life Church, and can I just say, Happy New Year! I cannot remember the last time I was this excited to say goodbye to a year, goodbye 2020, and hello 2021. I was on my computer looking at some funny memes this week and found myself like guttural laughing to myself at my computer. I had to just share. Check out this first picture. If 2020 were a pinata. <laughs> Can anyone relate? Ouch, right? How about picture two? You've heard it before. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. How about these 20, 20 lemons? I cannot look at this image without laughing at the absurdity of these three little pulp. Not going to yield much juice. Finally, picture three, maybe you were prepared, you were like me, type A, you were ready for 2020 and somehow 2020 found a way to hit you where it hurts. Now, maybe you're not quite to laughing about it yet too soon. Maybe for me, it's just what else can you do but laugh? My name is Erin Baker. I am the women's pastor here at Abundant Life Church. And I am so overjoyed that you are choosing to spend your first Sunday this year with us. We are in the beginning of a brand new series, launching it called James. We are, yes, you guessed it, going through the book of James. And while you're opening your Bibles to the first chapter, which is where we're gonna be spending our time this morning, I'm gonna give an overview of both the author and context of James. See, it's widely agreed upon by scholars that this book was written by Jesus's brother, James. And I often wonder what, it would have been like to be a sibling of Jesus, to be growing up alongside him. And then I have the thought, what would it take for me to believe that my brother was the Messiah? I think it would have to be absolutely true. In fact, James started out a skeptic himself and only after seeing Christ crucified, and then resurrected again, did he become an instrumental leader and influencer of the early church in Jerusalem, ultimately dying for his faith. Unlike Paul, who wrote to many churches that were not his own, James writes to the church in Jerusalem, his own church where he is a leader. Now, there are a couple themes that James threads throughout this book. They are beautiful themes and I love them. The first, is this theme an idea of grace and mercy being above judgment and the law. The second theme is the importance of faith in action. Now, maybe you're a leaner on one side more than the other. Maybe you're over here like grace, grace, all is grace. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Why are all of you over there being a bunch of Marthas, hang out and bask in the goodness of this grace? Or maybe you're over here and you're like, hey, so happy that you are all enjoying the goodness and grace. How about like doing something about it? More hands make light the work. Can you like pitch in a little bit? Where's your faith in action? Now, while these seemingly paradoxical themes create maybe a tension for you, they're actually beautiful when paired and lived out in perfect harmony with each other. And James knows this. This is what he teaches. This is why we are called to faith in action. Now, the action part isn't because we're earning it. It's because our very faith is fueled by grace itself. This is a five-week series going through each uh, chapter of James. And so today, being the first week, we're going to be in chapter one. Now, there are 26 verses in this first chapter, we are going to be uh, intensely looking and studying just four. So I encourage you this week, if you're like, what should I read in my Bible? Maybe you've started a Bible reading plan, or maybe you don't know where to start. Start in James 1 and read every verse this week. It is so rich and full of goodness. But if you're a note taker, I want to give you these four, just four that we're going to look at this morning. First is verse two, consider it Pure joy whenever you face trials. Verse 17 is what we'll be looking at next. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Verse 25, the perfect law gives freedom. And finally, we'll look at verse 27. Pure and faultless religion looks like caring for orphans and widows in their distress. I titled this sermon, Joy, Gratitude and Faith in Action because if you take nothing else away this morning, I want you to know that whatever you're facing in this season, God is good. He is working things for good and that all of us can find joy and peace and gratitude living out our faith no matter our circumstances. Let's jump right into that first verse. If you've opened your Bible or maybe you've pulled it up on your app, we're gonna be right in the beginning of the chapter. Verse two, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider it pure joy. Let's look at this loaded word, joy. Pastor Aaron Walton, our Happy Valley Campus pastor, preached an awesome message in our Christmas series on joy. If you have not heard that, I encourage you to go back and take a listen. When I think about some of the most joy-filled moments in my life... They're often accompanied by circumstances that are hard. They're often accompanied by uh, other feelings that are hard, Uh, sadness, grief, sometimes loss. If I were to tell you to close your eyes and picture joy, you likely have visions of loved ones laughing or smiling. Maybe it's more recent memories of your kids opening, tearing open their Christmas gifts uh, last week. For me, joy looks a little different. Many of the joy moments are accompanied by tears. See, when I close my eyes, for me, joy looks like a large cherry blossom tree in full bloom every March, every spring. See, that tree my husband and I planted uh, immediately following miscarriage. We were in a season of infertility and it was not our first miscarriage. We planted this tree about my height and now it towers over us with these huge full pink blooms uh, representing this daughter that we lost but that is thriving and in heaven. And I, I can't help but tap into those feelings from 10 years ago, not knowing if we'd be able to have children. And then I hear and see our rambunctious van load full of four kids and my heart just bubbles with joy. I close my eyes, I picture joy. And for me, it looks like praying a brother through a cancer diagnosis. Weeping at his bedside. I just remember thinking and and saying out loud, in the midst of my grief, he's free, he's free, he's free. And while there was deep heartache and sadness, guttural crying, there was also this sense of joy that he's free from the pain and suffering in his body here on earth. Actually, uh, many of you may remember, they were a part of our church family, And Stephen wore a James bracelet uh, to remind him to consider it all joy right up until his last day. What a testament of joy uh, his life was. For me, joy looks like, um, more recently, returning a foster daughter to her mother after 10 months of being in our home. We took her home at three days. Ten months later, I was packing up her bag and sending her off. She's smiling at me and waving. And it was devastating. It was so hard. And also to see her smiling and hugging her mom, being more excited for her than I was sad for myself. That showed growth in me. That was a joy producer and still is in me today. In her book, Bittersweet, Shauna Nyquist says this, I believe that suffering is part of the narrative and that nothing really good gets built when everything's easy. I believe that loss and emptiness and confusion often give way to new fullness and wisdom. It's as if the pain and the grief are a way of God tilling the soil of our hearts. And then, In that tilled soil, he plants seeds of joy and growth and fullness. In other words, he uses the pain in our life to plant something beautiful and productive. Our passage says, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance creates space for a refining process that leaves us wise, mature, and not lacking anything. 2020 has been the hardest year of my life. And many of you may say the same. In February, as I mentioned, we said goodbye to this foster daughter and it was right before the world shut down. And so it did not allow for all the visits we planned on still having. It's been a long time since our family has seen this little girl that we love. Come March, COVID hit, as you all know, shutting down our world and also shutting down my husband's business. In April, eight and a half months pregnant, I cracked a molar and had to have an emergency extraction. Not a great month. Then May came and the birth of our son, Wyatt Terrence, he is now seven months, Um, absolute highlight, of the year. He did not have much competition, but he would have won out anyway. He is an absolute joy and delight. But in that same week, actually the next day, we listed our home, put our home on the market, and that same week sold our home. And by June, we were moved out, living like nomadic people. We moved nine times between June and September. And that was all with, I mean, the six of us one of whom was a newborn infant. One of whom was diagnosed with uh, postpartum depression, and uh, in in this transition time, we moved into a condo. We were had our hearts set on this home, we had this deal that fell through, ultimately putting us in a place of needing something more long-term with a fall and school coming. So we moved into a 700 square foot, one bedroom condo, and that is where we have been ever since. Throw on top of that, the fires, the transition that our church leadership went through with the very unexpected resignation by our lead pastor. The fact that I had multiple biopsies on two nodules found in my thyroid, totaling 12 needles to my neck. Praise God, both of those were determined to be benign, finally. And I am still singing the praises of God for that. It's just 12 needles is still a lot in your neck. And then, of course, I'm a homeschool teacher to my third grade daughter, Charlotte, and my preschool boys, Ben and Will, who, like, distance learning preschool is a joke, especially if you know my son, Will, who I love deeply, but, oh, wow, it has not been an easy feat. So, yeah, if you do the math, yeah, I'd say this year I faced trials of many kind, and actually it doesn't take any math for anyone to figure that out. Honestly, the first thought that comes to mind is not to consider it all joy. But then I close my eyes and I reflect on what joy has looked like in the past for me. See, when James says to consider it pure joy, this is not an instruction to celebrate the hard things. We're not called to celebrate cancer and celebrate uh, job loss and celebrate a global pandemic or fires. James' instruction to consider it pure joy is an encouragement to celebrate the growth, the wisdom, and the maturity that trials can produce in us when we bring our brokenness to Jesus. So I choose to consider it all joy, even though I don't fully know yet the ways God is working this for good. um, I know that God is good, and I know that he's in the business of working things for good. I know that he is faithful. I've seen glimpses of growth in me. I've persevered. Here I am, standing, excited for a new year and all that the newness um, will bring in this new season. See, we serve a Jesus who takes the brokenness in our life and says he will finish the work he began in us. He will finish the work he began in me and the work he's begun in you. Later in verse 17, we're gonna go on to this next verse we're gonna unpack. James directs our focus to the source of all good gifts. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God is a giver of anything and everything that is good. And in a broken world, there are bound to be trials. It's not just like, oh, when you have blessing, God is good. Even in the trials, what God can work out is beautiful. And it's all to be considered a gift. See, the one who does not believe that God can work anything for good is the one who uh, may believe and, and see God as one who changes. And this is not who scripture tells us God is. The father of heavenly lights, does not ever change. He's been good and perfect since eternity past. He's been good and perfect and is today. And he will be good and perfect tomorrow and forevermore. Shauna Nyquist has another quote from her book, Bittersweet, that I love. When life is sweet, say thank you and celebrate. When life is bitter, say thank you and grow. See, we can live with gratitude in our hearts when things are good and when things are hard. And I think that Joseph in scripture is an amazing example of this. You know, someone who was faithful and practiced gratitude in even the most difficult circumstances. As a young boy, he had these dreams of greatness. He had this ambition and this belief that good would be in his future. Then horrible things happened to him. He gets beaten by his own brothers, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, wrongfully accused of a crime and put in prison. He's forgot about wasting away in prison for three years. And yet he trusts God in it all, through it all. He remains faithful and he ends up serving as Pharaoh's second-hand man in uh, the second-highest position in all of Egypt. If you read the whole story, it's in Genesis chapter 37 to 50. It's a long story, but if you feel like a good, action-packed, dramatic read, you can find it there in Genesis. See, never would young Joey have guessed the journey that led him to greatness, Never did he say, I hope I get betrayed by my family. That's gonna be such a fun part of my journey. He wasn't rejoicing or celebrating in the hard. And yet he was still faithful in the heart. He didn't think, you know, these years in prison, they're gonna pay off. I just, I, I believe he had faith that they would, but he wasn't like, yay, prison. He was faithful, and James Dobson says it like this in his book, Life on the Edge. There is no indication that God explained to Joseph what he was doing through those many years of heartache or how the pieces would eventually fit together. He was expected, as you and I are, to live out his life one day at a time in something less than complete understanding. What pleased God was Joseph's faithfulness when nothing Made sense. When things are hard, remember the goodness of God, that He is the giver of good gifts, that He is working things for the good of those who love Him, as Romans 8:28 reminds us. And practice gratitude. The late Ravi Zacharias says this: true gratitude is not sporadic, it cannot be spent or exhausted. It is the transformation of a mind that is more grateful for the giver than for the gift, for the purpose than for the present, for life itself rather than for abundance. Isn't that the truth? That when we are in a posture of gratitude, every breath is a gift, no matter the circumstances that we're facing in this life. On to our final two verses, Um, James stresses the importance of faith in action. So this is gonna be verse 22 and 25. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, this gets back to the faith in action, they will be blessed in what they do. So what does James mean by listen to the word and look intently into the perfect law, doing what it says? Especially to the Jewish people of his day, law and freedom would have been contradictory terms. But what James so beautifully does in this passage is redefine both terms. See, the old covenant meant memorizing and practicing tedious religious rituals in order to atone for one's sin. But James intentionally and beautifully puts law and grace together. See, the perfect law is Jesus poured out on a cross, a crucified Messiah, a lover of people. We broke a covenant and yet God made a way. The perfect law is a surrendered Christ This is the new covenant. This is the perfect law. And in it, there is incredible freedom from the bondage of sin. See, listening without doing deceives you into believing that your biblical knowledge uh, and understanding on its own is enough to live a full life and to walk in the fullness of all God has for you. What easier way for the enemy to meddle than deceiving us to believe that living a neat and tidy Christian life, void of discomfort and action, is all that God has for us. When we don't add action and doing to our faith, we are the ones that miss out on abundant blessing. So how does James best say that we can live out our faith? This is where we arrive at our final uh, verse that we will study in this passage, James 1, verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It's not a mystery if you read scripture that Jesus deeply cared for the needy, the oppressed, the marginalized people of his day. And James encourages the church that pure and faultless religion looks like a life of practical benevolence, of practical love and service To another. Now, it not only uh, living a life of faith in action brings glory and is an act of worship received as worship from our God, it actually transforms our hearts. It keeps us, it says, from being polluted by the things of this world. Now, how can pollution by the world be defined? It's anything that is not of God. Resentment, discomfort, Fear, selfishness, racism, hatred. I could go on. These are things that are not of God. And so pouring into faith uh, through action is what helps us, worships God, and helps protect us from the things of of this world that are not of God. So what does caring for marginalized people look like? What does leaning into the perfect law, Christ crucified and poured out for us, look like? I'd say it looks different for everyone. Maybe uh, you can look at supporting at-risk children in our community. Maybe that's a tug on your heart. Maybe you have a tug to help families living in poverty, serving the homeless, caring for the needs of the elderly. In this COVID season, that looks different, right, than even it did a year ago. Maybe is there something today that you can open your eyes to, some brokenness in our world that you can open your eyes to and choose action. It's easier to close your eyes. It's hard, but a faith producer and a grace giver and a love multiplier to lean in to the hard things, to the hard places in our world. We wanna be a church that equips and empowers each individual to serve and give within your calling, within your gifting, the things that God has put inside of every person. Maybe this morning your step is clear and it calls for action. Or maybe it's unclear and it calls for prayer. John 13, 35 says this, "'By this everyone will know that you are my disciples.'" if you love one another. Faith in action, I believe, is what love looks like. And so my friends, as we begin this new year, my prayer is that we will be a people marked by joy. That we would be a people fueled by gratitude and grace. Gratitude based on the grace we've been given. Recognized as Christ followers by our love, by our service, by our faith in action, because this is a life that points us toward Jesus. This is a life worth living. This is when we come fully alive in the freedom that Jesus offers. It's going to be a great Year And my prayer for all of us is that we approach it, giving it to him. To him who is above all, sees all, and yet draws so near to each of us. The most loving and gracious God pours out on us, giving us access to his son Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Let's give this year to him. Will you pray with me? God, I am so overwhelmed by your goodness. And while I shared my story or some of my story from this past year, I know there are so many other stories. And on the other side of that camera and on the other side of those televisions, um, God, are hurting people because this has been a season and a year with one thing after the next God, we love you. And no matter what we have experienced, Lord, we know that you are good and that you are in it. God, that you love us and that you draw near to the brokenhearted. God, I pray for love and grace and peace in abundance this year. Lord, that... uh, Yes, maybe some of us are really prepared now to tackle whatever 2021 brings us, especially if it looks anything like 2020. At least we have this history and this experience to carry us into this new year. But God, more than that, we have you. We have access to you through your Holy Spirit. God, thank you for the way that you make yourself accessible to your children. We love you. And we pray good things that we would be a people that pour into uh, faith and action this year, God, so that the whole world may know your love. In Jesus' name, amen.